Welcome to the Empowered Women Rise podcast with me, your host, Lucy Bennett. So welcome everybody. It's Lucy Bennett here for the Empowered Women Rise podcast. <laughs> it's all changing. And I'm here today with the beautiful and lovely Asumpta Vitku. How are you, my darling? I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm really good. And it's so good to see your smiling face again. I miss you. <laughs> I, I know, I miss you, chat. It's just like, when I, I can't believe it's actually been quite a while since we had a good chat. And it, it's, I miss you when we haven't chatted for a while. It's like, I get so used to it. And it's so nice. So let me tell everyone a little bit about you. So Asimpta is an incredible woman. We met doing one-to-one -one coaching after she'd been running her wedding planning business for around a year and a half. And she was kind of getting it moving forward and really excelling things during COVID. Um, because things slow down a little bit, Asimpta is absolutely incredible and pivoted her business to not only have the wedding planning stream, but also to really start pushing the flowers too. And you can see the beautiful flowers behind her. So Asimpta, tell us about your journey. So you, you actually didn't start out in wedding planning. You started out as a lawyer. <laughs> yeah, I started in law. Um, <laughs> My work history is so, so varied. So I studied law at university. I worked in criminal law when I graduated. Um, something I should probably mention is that I've always been writing since I was little and I still write now. So after, while I was still working in the law firm, I decided I was going to get a master's in creative and professional writing. I wanted to study something that I loved and I really enjoyed my master's. So when I finished that, so I was still working in the law firm while doing my master's full time. I was just like, I dropped my hours to being part time at the law firm. And um, they thought I was, the plan was to go back to law, but then I decided I didn't want to. So I became a copywriter. And while I was there, they made me an editor. And um, I really enjoyed that, but I had always wanted to have my own business. So I started my own business back then in the beauty and like cosmetics industry. Bearing in mind at that time, I didn't wear makeup when I, when I started this business. So it started with that. But I was really passionate about skincare and having healthy skin. And I burnt myself out running that. It wasn't really because my mum is in that industry. I thought, yeah, I can do that as well because I liked her lifestyle. Um, but I'd always, while I was at university studying for law, I wanted to be a wedding and events planner because I'd always done something for my birthday. I'd always helped other family members plan events. And I thought it was a great way to combine all of my skill sets. So eventually, after all of that stuff, here we are and I'm doing it. I am doing what I want to do, um, writing freelance when I feel like it, but also writing for myself because I write short stories and poetry. But my full time job profession entrepreneurial journey is weddings and events and also flowers now amazing so inspiring and I love the fact that you've got this completely colorful like history of like different things <laughs> from criminal lawyer <laughs> to creative <laughs> writing but as you said like combining all of your skills and actually yeah like a lot of people might think all oh, right like a wedding planner needs all that but really we do <laughs> We really Honestly, need all those skills. It, it does actually come in so handy. So like from the law days, um, dealing with clients, problem solving, researching, 
and like using my and the analytical part of my mind all of that actually helps with wedding planning similarly with the writing bringing someone's dream day to fruition I always say you are telling their story Absolutely. so I've, I've been a storyteller since I was seven so that's just I'm just translating that in a different way now like visually as opposed to just on a page um, yeah, absolutely. It, it, my storytelling ability helps me when I'm writing proposals. I got a new client a week and a half ago, and then they they want me to do the styling as well. And so when I wrote out what I thought would be their day, she was just like, "Oh my god, I felt like I was there." And I was like, "Yes, this is the this is the point. I want to be able to articulate your day in a way that you can see what I am talking about, and then we can bring it to life." That sounds beautiful. I'd love to read one of your wedding day story, like proposals. <laughs> I bet they're so fascinating. That is incredible. I'm so happy that you're doing so well. I see you on Instagram and I see you on YouTube. You're so active on social media and you're so good at it. You have this gift, always making me laugh. <laughs> um, I think it's just because, well, I don't think I have a gift for it, but people keep telling me I do. It's more so me just translating my personality and then just filming it effectively because this is what I'm like in real life. It's not, I, I never really loved acting at school when we had, to, when we were forced to do drama. I didn't take it as a GCSE, but anything I do, I try to do to the best of my ability. So when I think about my social media, I'm like, you know what, I'm not going to try and like, create this persona this is me so if you hire me this is what you're going to get having said that I'm not particularly allowed or like I am energetic but quietly so so yeah, what on social media is maybe a little bit more of an amped up version of me or how I am with my friends and family I may not necessarily be like that at your event but I just want a fun way of educating people because some of the questions that they ask that may seem silly to us in the industry is because of lack of knowledge so I want a fun way to educate people during their planning journey whether you hire me or not you're going to need this information and I want to make your journey smoother so I'm just trying to find fun ways of letting people know um, the information that I think that they should know. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I love it. It's really, really fantastic. Really fantastic. It's been going really well. So tell us a little bit about flowers. So when you and I were working together, you did flowers, but you hadn't really created a brand that was distinctive and stood out for the flowers. It was Ave Creations for weddings and events. And then within that, you could have flowers. But actually, over the last six months, you've been through quite a transformation and really, really powered through to create a brand that could be a standalone brand for the flowers, haven't you? It's been a great, a big journey, really, for the last six months. Yeah, you say six months. Ave Blooms, the other arm of Ave Creations, was um, created in February. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah. Oh, gosh, it's only February. <laughs> yeah, it's only February. But the reason why it seems longer is... I was playing with flowers. I call it playing with flowers. I was playing with flowers to get me through lockdown. And then yeah. sometimes I would film it and show people on my Instagram. And then occasionally people might ask, oh, do you deliver flowers? And I'm like, well, it's usually for my wedding clients. It's not really something I do, but I could do something bespoke for you. And then at the earlier part of February slash the end of January, I started thinking, do you know what? This should actually be a business because people keep asking and if I formalize it, then it will let people know the, this is what you can do. And then I have control over or I can structure it in, su in such a way that it fits in with my other business. I never wanted it to detract. 
And so um, I just made a decision. And then two weeks later, I created, um, I had it set up on my website. So it's still part of Ave Creations. Even though AveBlooms.com exists, it redirects to my, because I want it all to live in the same place. Yeah. Um, I created some designs and thought, I still do bespoke orders as well, but there are specific designs that people can order. Um, and then just before, a few weeks before Mother's Day, I decided I wanted to create a product as well. So I had some like custom coasters designed. I wrote a poem that goes in the box. And yeah, so everything has happened quite quickly because when I do get an idea in my head, I'm like, right, let's just go. Let's just, otherwise I will procrastinate for a long time and it won't get done. Yeah, um, that's so good that you took action. I really, you know, Hats off to you. Really proud of you for doing that because it's it's the only way to make progress completely. And yeah, it's that action. So tell us a little bit about the flowers. And I've seen on on online that you've got these beautiful boxes. I mean, they they make an amazing gift for the bride on the wedding day, as well as being a, a gift for Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, or any other time. Yeah. The, so the flat the hat boxes with flowers in, you could give them to a bride, as you said, or to the mother of the groom, mother of the bride as well. Um, they've been given as birthday presents, new mother presents, um, all sorts of things just just because gifts. Um, it's been really quite nice to see all the different reasons that people order the flowers. Um, and it's been really fun. I love it. It's amazing. And keeping you busy. <laughs> keeping you really yeah, busy. Really busy. <laughs> so what's next for RV Blooms and RV Creations? Ah, so much. So Ave Creations is still growing and flourishing. It's, as you said earlier, my business is only two and a half, just coming up to two and a half years old. So it's still quite young, but growing, thankfully. Um, it's funny because even though I kind of knew my niche was multicultural weddings, I until I spoke to you and we had our coaching, I never really identified it and played it up and let people know that this is what it is. Yeah. And it has made such a difference because I it's so clear now everybody knows that I deal with multicultural weddings and especially when you are like oftentimes interracial weddings simply because I have experience of that that's that's how yeah that's what your marriage is exactly, exactly. and so um, this year alone I think my couples my, are from so many different countries we've got loads of different countries in the Caribbean Nigeria um where else? We've got a Portuguese groom. We have a Lebanese, Eritrean, French combination. Like it's it's really nice to be able to work with so many diverse um, couples yeah. and help them tell their love story in a way that honors all parts of them. Absolutely. That's so important. And that that is obviously you've got this truly multicultural clientele, but what I love most about Ave Creations and you as a, as a person is is that true understanding that behind each individual there's a story to be told and you are a story writer who can really put that story into their wedding and share it with the rest of the guests which is such a beautiful thing it, it's a funny thing the whole like not you, when sometimes when you're in something when you're in your business you need somebody else to help you see what you already know I mean, you you already knew in a sense that you would work with multicultural brides and grooms, but 
you just haven't articulated it. And until you articulate it and put it into words in your website, then you're not going to be, be, be speaking to the right people in the right way. So, yeah, so it's brilliant. So you've seen quite a big transformation since you decided to focus in on and niche into the multicultural weddings. Most definitely. And that's not to say that people or couples who are from the same culture haven't contacted me. They have. I still have um, couples who are from the same culture, but they just really like my style or me and how I present myself. Um, so it has been really nice to be speaking to a specific category of people, but for people who just seem to like me anyway, to still contact me. That, that's been quite eye-opening. <laughs> Amazing. So, um, one of the reasons why you wanted to create multicultural weddings or when it, that was where you went to is because you had a multicultural wedding yourself and whilst you were um, planning your wedding you did face quite a few challenges as a multicultural couple so yeah. tell us a little bit about that because then it shows everybody you know the kind of objective and directive behind you going with like the multicultural weddings it varied from so okay for example, if you were to get engaged, um, oftentimes people would buy you magazines or you buy yourself magazines. So one of my friends bought me um, bridal magazines and I flipped through the pages excited and I didn't see one black person in yeah. any of them. And I think I had three. Um, and I handed one to my then fiance, now husband, and said, find me a black person. And he eventually did in the back of the magazine in the um, kind of like destination section. And the person was about that big. And it was the celebrant or whoever it was that was yeah. I think, in the Caribbean. So whoever was officiating this wedding. And I thought, oh, wow, this is going to be quite the journey. It had never occurred to me before because I wasn't one of those people that was like planning my wedding day in my head for years. But also because I am my heritage is Nigerian. Nigerian, and I know of huge Nigerian wedding blogs. So I had always seen black brides and I attended loads of weddings, but it didn't occur to me that when I would be getting married, if I looked to mainstream media, that I wouldn't see myself. And more, I guess, importantly, when I did see black brides, they were always with like a black groom. But what happens if you're not, like if you are white, a white bride and you're marrying a black groom or if you're a black bride marrying a white groom or any kind of myriad of um, variations that can take place, it is so seldom seen. And that aside, physically, when I was now planning that back in when we were out in the world, yeah. um, I had a really terrible experience at, the, um, at a wedding show. And um, I went by myself because I was just that type of person. I like doing things on my own. And the first stand I came across was um, a jewellery stand. And I waited patiently. He was dealing with somebody. He did not acknowledge me whatsoever. And um, I wanted to look for a wedding a wedding band and then two other ladies came over they were both white and he was just like oh just a moment I'll be right with you and I was really confused like I'd been standing there for 10 minutes you had not he hadn't said a word to me and um it had been a long time since I'd faced that kind of prejudice just based on how I looked I wasn't dressed badly and so I walked away infuriated and called my mum and she was like you should have said something so I went back and one of his other colleagues was free I told her what had happened and she was 
shocked because he was the owner it turned out and she she looked at my engagement ring and was like oh it's really nice I was like I know it is she asked me what my budget was for my wedding rand and I said I didn't have one and immediately then she started being really nice to me I thought well I'm not going to give you your money give you my money and um I tell that story to give you an example of the preconceived notions that people have of people of color when they are trying to plan a wedding um sometimes when I would contact certain suppliers um they would always point me straight to the cheapest thing on their on their offerings and I thought well actually that's not the kind of wedding that I'm having yeah for the cheapest thing you haven't even asked me what the budget is um and it got to a point where I used to take Horia, my husband, with me to different things because people would be nicer to me when they saw him. Wow. They just assumed that, oh, okay, well, there's a white face, so all must be well, or he's fitting the bill, when it was actually my parents that paid for most of our wedding. Um, so yeah. like multicultural couples face a whole different um, category of prejudice that most people don't even realize. And I really am passionate about advocating for them and giving them suppliers who don't care really they're not bothered about where you're from they're just more bothered about how can I give you the best day possible and you know just working with you and getting along and building a rapport as opposed to the like just judging you based on your first how they look at you absolutely it's it's shocking but it's not a surprise do you know what I mean it's like we know what the culture in the UK is like and we always think of London which is where you live as being a super multicultural place you know it's quite diverse a very diverse place but there's still that in the wedding industry it is just the worst place isn't it and obviously last year after the horrible happenings at the end of May like the wedding industry tried to make massive changes and all of the blogs were all of a sudden featuring black brides and black grooms and and it was if I'm honest for me I felt like it's a bit a little bit yeah a bit bit too late isn't it for all of that it's like how long has this industry been going on for you know how long have wedding magazines been published in the UK and how long has the blog industry been running you know um so they are making more of an effort now to actually give some representation but you almost feel like it was so forced for them and why why didn't they just think of it before why wasn't it just part of the protocol that you know it should be at least 50 percent that you have this kind of mix of, of cultures and different colors in across the magazines and the blogs representation of the true population that is out there you know so um yeah, I agree with you, but I, I guess their argument would be that the the UK is not 50% black, it's not 50% Asian. So they would probably be thinking, oh, because you're a small percentage of the general population, um, we won't give you those pages or you won't buy. People yeah. don't want to see that, which is totally untrue. If you know anything about the African and Asian market, when it comes to wedding, they, weddings, they spend a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So it, yeah. it, actually be in your best interest to appeal to them in some way completely Um, this is it the budgets are always bigger and always yeah that's what I've found as well in the multicultural weddings that we've done is they've always got like these these big budgets where you know I'm just like wow (laughs) (laughs) yeah so always um nice to work with big budgets I like that definitely (laughs) so for brides and grooms who are getting married, um, as in you know, multicultural brides and grooms who are getting married, what's the kind of advice that you would give to them to kind of make sure that they're not having to experience these situations? 
Uh, first things first, I would say you need to have a conversation between yourselves. Get on the same page. I think I said that exact line in one of my YouTube videos. Yeah. You need to talk and then figure out what do you want to actually include from each of your cultures or you might want to include nothing. Because yeah. sometimes you only want snippets from both of your cultures. One person may not know very much about their culture. And if they do want to include, that involves you having a conversation with a family member or somebody else. Or because, depending on, well, I plan weddings in the UK, because you met in Britain or you may have met somewhere else, but you live in the UK, you might actually just want a British wedding, which is fine, like an English wedding. And that is in itself a culture that you might yeah. want. Um, incorporate into your wedding so I would say have a conversation so that you two are on the same page before you venture out into the outside world so when you do start talking to suppliers um, you both are singing from the singing from the same hymn sheet and yeah. also do research find yeah. suppliers and choose them not based on their popularity or virality you, you want to go viral because that some of my friends were like that's a thing I'm like yes there are lots of couples that actually plan their weddings with the intention of going viral um just think about who you would like to work with somebody with a small following can still give you an epic day so don't don't pick your suppliers with social media in mind um you can still like think about the end result start with the end in mind and work backwards to create that picture yeah absolutely great advice I love it that's really good so what would you say for you is one of the biggest challenges that you've faced so far as a female entrepreneur starting out in business Ooh. um I think finding your tribe and not necessarily in terms of couples but yeah. uh, other wedding professionals that you <clears throat> speak to bounce ideas off or just lament with sometimes because the journey of entrepreneurship can be lonely you actively work on your own um but finding people like you to speak to and olivia who you messaged before i'm um, interviewed before i should say yeah. um and some other the other suppliers that i've met along the way the wedding industry has given me some great new friends and being able to know who to trust and who you can talk to. I found that a bit challenging in the beginning because some people, um, although they seem well-meaning, um, they don't necessarily want you to do well or they don't want you to do better than them. They're fine with you until you're doing better than them. So I found that a little bit challenging, but I seem to have found my feet over, over time and I have like a good little group going. Having said that, I'm not one of those planners who... My, my, my friends in the wedding industry aren't necessarily people I'm going to refer my clients to. Yeah. I'm not attached to them in that way. So I don't have a click of any sort. Um, I will only recommend suppliers based on what works for my client. Even if they're my friend, if you don't work, I'm, I can't hide. Like, I can't recommend you. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, um, absolutely. No, that's good. I like that. It's got integrity to it, which is great. It means a lot without a doubt. Excellent. So what would you say, any mistakes that you've made along the way that you could say to other female business owners who want to get into any business or the wedding business that you would say, do not do this? What did you, what have you done that you regret? <laughs> so, many, so many mistakes. Um, we all make so many mistakes. <laughs> I, I, I think there's a few things I would say. Number one, 
I would say f- you fail forward to success. So in order to do that, you actually need to start. So that was something yeah. you would offer me, like, just do it. Just just do do the thing. And then at least, which is what I was thinking about with Ave Blooms, if it didn't work, that's okay. Who cares? Like, you have to try things in order to know what works, but you can't get to the eventual goal if you don't even take the first step. So there are plenty of people who have dreams and are thinking, oh, it would be great to do this. But okay, so what's the first step of getting to that dream? I would say just try. So how would, what mistakes have I made that I could tell you to avoid? Uh, Yeah, just taking too long to do things. Like the spirit of perfectionism lives in this, in my heart. And I'm trying to, like, I've been trying to get rid of that because done is better than perfect. So you just have to get it done. Otherwise you won't get anywhere. Um, And also... What else would I recommend? Just like trying to keep your financials in check. Yeah, yeah. that's something I was not great at in the beginning. And it's because I say I don't like numbers. And it's not that I don't like numbers. I just find them really tedious. But in the beginning, unless you start from scratch, like hiring an accountant, if you can afford to, great. But if not, you have to figure out some sort of system to keep track of everything. Otherwise, how will you even know you're making money or when you're making money, you're yeah, spending definitely. it as as you make it? So, yeah, it's very easy to do that in the beginning without a shadow of a doubt. I got a accountant pretty quickly because I'm in Spain. I needed someone to do it for me. I couldn't do it myself. And it's the best thing that I've done. And, you know, even when, you know, throughout COVID, he's there in the background helping me if I need him. It makes such a difference without a doubt. Um, I always recommend that people kind of have a tracking system. A spreadsheet that they just track their stuff themselves it's not for the accountant it's for their personal needs so that they can see what money they're making and what money they're spending often you know you find with young business owners like the money they bring in they end up spending it out again and then there's nothing left for them I actually when I created my wedding business I cre- created quite a high profitable business I kept my costs as low as possible and the investments really were in products to hire out obviously taxes and that that kind of thing but we really really kept it small and I'm like seven years on I'm really glad I did that I'm really glad I did that because it didn't overcomplicate the situation for me. I only have to rely on me and Jesus, you know, not like a massive team. So I think it's quite good in the wedding industry to not, you know, to work with people freelance and to kind of keep it small. Because as soon as you start adding costs, you're adding business costs and your profit margin is going to go down and down and down. And because of the hours it takes in the wedding industry to do any type of job, you know, we work a hell of a lot of hours of, you know, you might charge five grand for a wedding, but you might work 200, 250 hours. So it's, it's not a lot of money at the end of the day when you break it down between, you know, for me, it's me and Jesus, it gets broken down between. So as soon as you start to dilute that with permanent staff, with a permanent office, with all of those kind of luxuries that you might have in another business, actually in weddings, it's quite hard to have a high profit margin. So I think it's good to kind of keep it small and then keep the staff and, and everything else on a on a, a temporary kind of independent basis in order to make sure that you're keeping your profits as high as possible without right. a doubt. In an ideal world, I did want some sort of like office space or to even to be able to do the flowers and stuff like that. But I am lucky in that my parents have like a huge house and then they have a um like an outbuilding that I am able to do my flowers from there and I even have space in my home that I can do it and I've just made it work for me but one yeah. of the reasons why I wanted an office is because I was like oh a nice place for clients to come to 
so glad I did not do that because I was trying to be realistic with myself. And even if I had, look at COVID over the past year, you would have been paying rent for something you could not use. So I think um, another tip would be to try and, as you just said, keep your costs low. Don't be swayed by what other people are doing. If somebody has an office, you don't know if it's like a friend's office that they're sharing or if um, maybe a parent invested in them and they were able to buy the space or something like that, you you know your financials. So act accordingly. There's no point in, or as my mom would say, cut your coat according to your cloth. Yeah, <laughs> if completely. You have a cloth, then cut it to size, but don't then be trying to like keep up with the Joneses and ending up in unnecessary debt. It doesn't make sense. Yeah, this is it. I think I also see people investing in things straight right at the beginning before they've actually got an order from a client. Whereas the way that I went about it is I didn't buy any any decor apart from for shoots, you know, just small numbers, no decor until I'd got an order from a client so that actually the client paid. But then I was able to keep it in my stock and then hire it out later whereas I see people starting out and they're like oh I've launched a wedding business I haven't got any clients yet but I've I've bought this and I've bought that and I just think it's it's crazy you've just got to don't spend anything I made that mistake mistake. (laughs) it's fine it wasn't I didn't buy loads or anything but I did buy some things thinking oh this will be great and thankfully it did come in handy eventually but it I only did it right at the beginning in a little bit, but then I did what you said. Like I, I thought about it and I was like, this doesn't make sense. When a client wants something specific, I'm going to use that money to buy it. And then I have it in stock. So that's how I built the rest of my stock. Thankfully yeah. it was a few bits that I bought in the beginning. Yeah. Good. I love that. It's, it's a tough one to work out, but there's certain things that have got like good profit on them and longevity in hiring. Cause you want it to be year after year that you can hire it out. And then there's other stuff that just gets, you know, old pretty soon and, and out of fashion. And those are the things you don't want to buy, you know, so it's difficult when it comes to colors. I've noticed actually that, you know, colors are very like fashion led. So, you know, I've had clients that have said, right, we want this many glasses. And then we've gone and invested in the glasses. And then now it's quite incredible. If anyone wants to come around and have a massive party, I have got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of glasses of all different colors. (laughs) I I couldn't, you know, they're like, right, we want this light blue, but we can't get it from any of the rental companies. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to buy it. So buy it. And then that color doesn't get re-requested because it was a fashion color in that year you know it was like something that was was kind of on trend then so yeah it's it's good to be wise about it great so I love that that's excellent so what about any tips that you would have given to your 15 year old self knowing that your career had taken so many twists and turns oh um my I would have told my 15 year old self to just be yourself yeah. Just follow what you are passionate about and um, it will be okay. So, like, don't worry about what other people want you to do or what other people are telling you because it makes the road to where you want to be so much longer. Yeah. Like, I got here eventually, but that was through the journey you heard at the beginning, whereas we could have cut so much of that out. Um, all of that kind of, like, living and working to live up to other people's expectations um I think the best thing I could have told my 15 year old self was that you are enough just just be yourself yeah I love that and that's a message to every woman out there just Mm -hmm. be yourself and know that you are enough without ever doing anything you know it's like 
it is the hardest thing for us to all relearn after all of these years, isn't it? How are you running your business and your life with heart and soul? Um, I would say by listening to my intuition, um, having heart checks every so often and thinking about how I'm living my life and questioning myself and my decisions and if it's not furthering the end goal or getting me closer to the end goal then the then I shouldn't be doing it if I don't feel comfortable then again I shouldn't be doing it but just leaning more into my intuition when I haven't listened to it it's never ended well so um just learning to trust myself and my inner voice a lot more and that's how I'm living my life with heart and soul (laughs) I love it the one good thing about COVID is it's given us all time to be able to listen to our inner voice. And that that was a gift, a massive gift. Um, the amount of women that I hear say that they they feel it in their heart that they shouldn't do something, but they still do it. You know, like we ignore our intuition. We're guided to think in a masculine way when as women, really what we should mostly be doing is listening to our hearts because obviously our mind is what we feel makes a sensible decision but our heart knows so much more I think it's it really does it the heart's got all the knowledge so Asimta it's been so lovely to talk to you today and I'm just loving your journey and the creation the fast transformation and creation that you've created with Ave Blooms where can everybody find you so if those of you in England want to order some flowers for your loved ones where can they find Ave Blooms uh you can find me at www.aveblooms.com so that's a v e and then blooms.com or you can find me on Instagram I pop things on my Instagram for Ave Blooms there so at Ave Blooms and if you're planning a wedding or a special event like a birthday um, then you can find me over at www.avecreations.com or on Instagram at by Ave Creations and I'm on YouTube as well so you can find me there at Ave Creations TV um, I just realised I had uh, I'm having a little YouTube break at the moment, but videos are coming back as of next week. Awesome! Um, so for April, and um, I realised one of my videos has been viewed eleven thousand times. And I oh, no- you no, had no idea. idea. <laughs> Called somebody's got it on. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's because it's about planning um, an intimate wedding, like a small oh, wedding. Wow. So, which is very pertinent at the moment with people having to downsize. Although I think we will be getting bigger weddings soon, but it's still, um, well, supposedly it's a helpful video. So, Well, it, it definitely must be if it's had a yeah. thousand views. I love it. You're doing so well with your YouTube channel. It's Thank so you. powerful. I think it actually says, because obviously I was talking to Olivia yesterday as well in this interview series, and it says so much. There's a lot of wedding planners out there that don't do YouTube. But YouTube is a great way. If you like being on video, because, of course, Fee, but both you and Olivia, you love video. So if you like being on video and you like getting out there and you've got a business, then do utilize YouTube. Facebook isn't the only place to be or Instagram isn't the only place to be. YouTube is actually an incredible search engine as well, isn't it? So for people oh, to find what they want I use it all the time I'm literally on YouTube pretty much all day I'm just watching that video over and over again for you <laughs> thank you I appreciate it but something else, I think if you are into video something else that you could probably 
try first simply because it's easier in terms of editing is yeah. to try reels on Instagram yeah and um, Instagram is really pushing reels at the moment so you could actually grow faster on um, Instagram than you would on YouTube yeah, uh, so that's just something else for you to consider but yeah. yeah because you actually it did it has taken you a long quite a long time to get that following up hasn't it well yeah so it grew quite quickly in the beginning and then it kind of stalled a little bit so I think I've been on my YouTube journey for about a year and a half now yeah. um so it, it's kind of peaks and troughs I think there's more of there's more to YouTube than there is to I recently started making reels on my business page and yeah. that's going like one of my reels recently that again has like 11,000 views and that happened in like a 48 hour period whereas my YouTube video has taken months to amass that viewership so it's um and reels are a bit more immediate in that there are you can only make a reel that's a maximum of 30 seconds long whereas a YouTube video you could be editing and recording over days and quite a while that's not to say if it's a complicated reel it might still take you time to piece together but I find it's a lot quicker for me to do because I can just do everything on my phone um yeah excellent that's brilliant advice thank you so much well thank you for your time today and it has been lovely to see you again thank you to everybody watching if you would like to share this video please do share this video hashtag replay if you're watching on catch up and please do tell other women about the empower women women rise series and we are launching a podcast literally launching a podcast as we speak so this is going to continue we're going to continue to speak to women empowering themselves and other women throughout the future forever <laughs> but it's <laughs> everywhere <laughs> okay so thanks for watching guys bye 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 thanks Asimta. thank you for coming along and joining us this week on the empowered women rise podcast we'll be back next week with another incredible woman to tell her incredible amazing inspiring story looking forward to seeing you all again next week in the meantime if you'd like to connect you can catch me at lucybennettcoaching at gmail.com or on Instagram at i.am.lucybennett. See you again soon.